0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 0 of the Black in Lax Podcast. Again, I am your host, Jonathan Adler. So I am a 30-year-old washed-up lax bro. Although I hate the term lax bro, we can get into that later. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So uh, I'm a black man. I identify as black. I'm 38 years old. I was born and raised in uh, South Jamaica, Queens, New York. Uh, my parents are first generation uh, Americans. My father's born and raised. My father was born in um, Jamaica, West Indies, and my grandmother was born in uh, Antigua. Uh, my mother wasn't born in Antigua. Uh, she's probably the first person in our family to be born in America. Um, so my parents raised me in South Jamaica, Queens, New York uh, in the mid 80s, early 90s. Um, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to the game of lacrosse growing up directly. It wasn't until I got to high school, and halfway through high school, my parents bought a house on the west end of Long Island, kind of far out. You know, we always joke about the exit numbers on Long Island on the 495, the LIE, and my parents drove all the way out to exit 63, which isn't so bad now, but after like exit 57, back in those days. Um there were very few cars on the road so we were pretty far out for for most people. My journey with lacrosse didn't start until um my junior year of high school. Uh yeah, the summer after my junior year of high school. It actually um happened because I wasn't allowed to play baseball. I grew up as a baseball player, played baseball uh in little league um for 3 years I played uh Uh, tried to make the team my freshman year, high school didn't happen. Um, made the team my sophomore year, but got cut, uh, later on for grades. Uh, I wasn't taking my grades seriously at the time, but when I got to Long Island and the high school I went to out there, I thought it was going to be a fresh start. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try it for the baseball team out here. It's going to be a great experience. Now I will say that there were some things that I had not been exposed to and I wasn't, um, clear on how people I uh, wasn't clear on how uh, people interacted right there was there was some real suburban things that I wasn't used to being a, a kid from Queens uh, who grew up in a, a predominantly uh, black and Hispanic neighborhood you know, there were definitely some some white folks, some you know, some mixtures, but it was predominantly black. The schools I went to, high school, high schools that I went to at the time, uh, we had a fairly diverse mix, but it was it was definitely predominantly black or Hispanic. And when I got to Long Island, it wasn't. It was predominantly white, um, and uh, ancestries you could say of white, um, Italian, Greek, Polish. So there were folks from everywhere and but what i wasn't prepared for is that that social dynamics were different you know the social cues were different um and i like to always say that my parents prepared me to to be around lots of different kinds of people but when i had to go put some of that in practice it was it was difficult and this is interesting to even tell this story right now because it's not something that i've talked about openly in a really long time um but the reason I got to play, I ended up playing lacrosse was because I got kicked off the baseball team. Um, I had moved, um, actually, I believe it was like mid-semester. So uh, I think I had started school in like February um, after after moving uh, to Long Island. And I first thing I wanted to do, because I thought it would be the best way to make friends, was to join the sports team. You know, that's what kind of what we did. So I tried out for the baseball team and it was, it was difficult at first. I was the new kid and it's weird, right? Because when you're the new kid in school, there's, there's a level of interest and, and intrigue people being intrigued because you're new, but you're also still an outsider because you haven't really made a ton of friends. And what I found going to school at, um, the school that I went to, was that a lot of these kids have been lifelong friends they've they went to they went to middle school together went to elementary school together went to preschool together in some cases um and i was just this new kid coming from the city as, as they used to call it um who just didn't quite fit in just yet and part of that interaction was a lot of what would have been considered now hazing um and and that was ultimately what led to um me not being able to stay as a as a as a baseball player. Um, there was an incident that I, that involved some hazing. I had basically put my equipment in the locker room, and some older guys, some, some some seniors, thought it would be funny. As a welcome to the team would be to take my personal belongings outside of outside of the locker or take them out of my locker and they put them in a non-working toilet. Yeah. (laughs) Needless to say, I didn't handle that very well. (laughs) Um, I retaliated. I retaliated the next day. Um, And, you know, I will say that the mistake that I, I feel like I made beyond just the retaliation was the mindset and the mindset was not only do I have to get you back, but I have to go further and beyond what you did to prove that I'm not a person that you should be messing with. And I won't go into the details on what I did. Cause that's, you know, it's, it's water under the bridge at this point, but it was definitely a learning experience. Um, all of us got kicked off, off the baseball team. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, it became, a, a, a community incident. Um, and my mother is an attorney, so my mother wasn't happy with the way the situation was handled by the school or the district. Um, and she made it clear to them that if it wasn't handled better, there wasn't a more thorough investigation of the incident and how it was handled that she would pursue legal action. Um, but that entire time I basically had to finish school from home that, that, that entire, uh, rest of that school year. So that was, that was my experience. I think I had only been at the school maybe <laughs> two, three months. And now all of a sudden I've got to finish the last month of school, uh, from home. <clears throat> so I had to have teachers, um, like homeschool teachers that would come and help me finish the rest of my work to make sure that I would stay, uh, on par to, uh, to make sure I could, you know, progress to senior year and, you know, p- potentially be on p- part, make sure I'm good to go to graduate. And one of the teachers, uh, was a PE teacher. I had three teachers that came to sc- t- came to my house and they would help me do work, um, to make sure I met my, fulfill my requirements. And out of the three teachers, uh, one of them was a PE teacher. So I had to do various exercises to, 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 to make sure I was meeting my physical education requirement as well. Um, and this, this PE teacher basically said, you know, Hey, you know, you're a big guy, you're, you know, you're tall, you're, you're, you're pretty muscular. I was more muscular than I am at the time. And he said, why don't you try this other thing? And I was like, okay. So he he put my very first lacrosse stick in my hand was, uh, the the end of my junior year. And I spent, um, almost all of the summer and definitely all of the winter uh, learning how to pass and catch, learning how to cradle, um, and I, I, the very following year, um, you know, when I was allowed to go back to school, I, I made friends. It was a fresh start, and I definitely tried out for the lacrosse team, and I made the team. I would say I made it by the skin of my teeth, but I made it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, don't, I never thought about it, but I don't know if maybe they were like, hey, we got to make sure this kid can play sports so his mom doesn't get riled up again or um, or what it was. But I, you know, I like to think that I, I showed and put in some effort and and they said, OK, this kid's trying. We'll give him a shot. Now, granted, I was nowhere near as good as the kids that were on my team. I went to a, a high school that is as a general statement, I would say was a state ranked football team. The kids who were going, who were playing football, basketball, baseball, girls' lacrosse, boys' lacrosse, field hockey, were all kind of the kind of kids. Volleyball, cheerleader they were all the kind of kids that um, were going Division One, or they were getting scholarships. Um, our cheerleading squad got to meet the president. Um, you know, back then I believe it was President Clinton. Um, because they were like, they were like a naturally recognized cheer squad, so it was, it was that kind of school, um, and it was a public school, so, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't funded, you know, by parents who were just paying for everything for kids to go, um, and so I think with all of that, like, the kids who were on this team were, they were massively skilled, they were all gonna go, they were all going to leave the Island in one form or another to whether it be academically or athletic scholarships. Um, and I was just happy to just be part of something. Right. Um, and it's funny because I did feel, I always felt like this was an opportunity for a fresh start, but I also felt like it was an opportunity to be tested. Right. Because I had had a steep learning curve from the previous, uh, school year and, there was always an opportunity for me to get caught up and get into some trouble again because i didn't understand the social dynamics of how um you know high school kids were operating in suburbia um you know i did have another incident with the lacrosse team but i handled it differently and it never came up i never told the coach i never told uh my parents or anything but you know it was another incident that at the time wasn't would have i guess Today, by today's logic, for sure, by today's rules and understanding, it would definitely be considered hazing. Um, They put a tampon in my helmet. Um, Yeah, (laughs) these are the kinds of things that were happening. Um, And, you know, and it was definitely I always felt like that situation was a um, it was a test. It was it was I think kids had known what had happened the previous year and they were like, let's see if we can get this kid to react. And I didn't. And, you know, in the in the toxic environment that can be high school um, male bravado, it was seen as, OK, this kid's cool. We can you know, we can still hang out with him and he's not going to make himself, you know, an odd man out or, or cause trouble for us. And for me, it was just like I didn't want to go through that again. I had remembered what it was like to to spend the, the the rest of the semester at home and how it had all played out. And I just didn't want to stick out again. So I chose to 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 let it go. I just chose to to let it be, and I finished out the season with no problem. Um, and we had a marginally decent year. Um, you know, I the school was really good, but I, there were some schools around us that were just way better. So um, our 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 playoff run was short lived, but overall, I think I for the most part feel like I have better memories than worse memories when it comes down to it. And so the big test really came for me when it was time to move on past high school. Um, As I said before, a lot of the kids that I knew had been playing lacrosse for a really long time or been playing their various sports for a really long time. And so they had um, kind of an idea of what was next and and their plans were in motion. I didn't know what was next. I was just happy to to make it through, Um, you know, internally in my home. You know, it was always clear the foregone conclusion was when you graduate high school, you go to college. Um, and that was even that was always like a interesting duality playing out because I came from an area growing up where that wasn't the norm for most kids. Right. They had they they didn't know what they were doing after high school. Um, but I came from a very traditional um, but progressive west indian household who put who put a value on education and and being an active participant you know as an adult um being a a positive influence for humanity and part of that was a major part of that was getting an education so there was no doubt that when you graduated from high school you were supposed to go to the you were supposed to go to college um Both my parents are college educated as well. So it was just, it was clear that that's what we're going to, what needed to happen. Um, but I didn't know where to go and what I was going to do. Um, so I started to kind of look around and kind of figure out what that was going to look like. So one of the things I did have working somewhat to my advantage was, um, you know, my parents or my mom specifically was very active in like getting me to go check out college campuses and trying to understand what the college experience would be like. So I went to a few colleges on Long Island just to kind of check out. Um, and the second thing I would say I had to my advantage was because all of the, all of the kids that I knew that were either prominent academically or athletically were leaving the Island. It meant that there wasn't a whole lot of it didn't at least it didn't feel like it it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of competition for me to get onto a campus locally. Um, I think everyone was in a rush to get off Long Island that whether they wanted to go up upstate, Baltimore, Pennsylvania, in some cases just even New Jersey, right, to go to like Rutgers or somewhere like that, or you, or maybe go to the city and go to like Pace or nyu so there were just a lot of people who were just like i got to get out of long island (laughs) like i know everything about long island i've been on both shores i've hung out I've party it's time to go somewhere else um but i was fortunate enough that that made it a little bit easier to stay on long island my parents were very clear like you need to stay close we need to keep an eye on you and you're gonna need the support and you're gonna need the guidance why don't you stay local and so i did um uh, I, I applied to several schools um, a couple I didn't get into a couple that I did um, but I think with my transcripts and grades and having taken you know gone to different high, gone to different high schools um, the ultimate best decision for me was to go to community college and start there and it was a really smart move you know it, it it, it didn't feel like it at the time. It felt like I was settling, but it ultimately was a really smart move. And I look back even in today's climate and how great community college can be or junior college can be, as some people call it, because if anything else, like I always say to students that I work with, like, listen, if, if you can avoid, you know, crushing debt, sometimes community college is the best way to, is a better way to go, right? Because psychology, psychology 101 or, 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 you know college algebra or college math is is 101 is the same no matter where you go right so why pay a thousand dollars of credit for it if you can only pay like 12 (laughs) it's depending on where you go to school at right um and so that's what i did i chose to go um take a delayed program for uh long island university cw Post, and they were in the agreement that with them was hey you know, we really want you to focus on raising, um, showing us what you can do at the community college level. And then, you know, when you're ready to transfer fully, um, you'll do that. So I did spend some time, you know, back and forth, uh, campus wise, but ultimately a lot of the schooling that I did was at the community college level. And I went out for the community college team. Um, now we were, I will say that at the time our, I was on a, community college campus Suffolk County community college campus. And at the time they had separate athletic programs. So, um, while it was a district school, there were three campuses, but each campus had individual athletics. Um, so I was at the campus close to my parents' house, which is the Amherman campus or what they call the central campus. Um, and the truth of the matter at the time, only thing that was really good on that, on that, on that campus was the girls basketball team. Um, the other programs were holding on by a thread or weren't very good. (laughs) Um, Um, so it was a constant battle of trying to find a way to leverage getting the experience of being, uh, working at the community college level, but ultimately like trying my hardest to get to, to, to figure out ways to, to be always around, um, LIU's campus and coach Tommy Postel was there at the time. And, when it, when it didn't work out initially my freshman year, um, what I what I ended up doing was getting involved to what we know today as club ball, right? So club travel teams that, you know, went to different regions, whether uh, locally or abroad, and just played lacrosse uh, in the fall and in the winter, um, ultimately trying to get ready for whatever spring club that you, or spring team that you were originally for, uh, trying out for or from. So I had played um, for a club team that's now dissolved, um, the Long Island Silverhawks. I think they went away, um, in the early two thousands. And that was a, that was a really good experience. Um, I got to play a lot. I got to learn the ins and outs of the game in a way that I didn't in high school. And I think I didn't learn the game the way I, I wanted to in high school because, um, I always say that there are two things that I blame. One, uh, I, I was I was I was born too early, right? So like I didn't have the technology. I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have access to uh, you know certain training materials because you're only going to get but so many reps at practice. Um, and then when you're not a starter or you're not like the main guy, um, that means you're getting even less reps, or less reps. And the teams, you know, not. Um, they're focused on winning, right? They're focused on doing what it takes to win and not, Hey, let's help you along, figure out how to make you a better player. That's something you got to figure out in your off time. So I did. And one of my favorite stories that I always tell, especially when I want to make young players feel bad, um, about their effort is, um, I had a buddy who owned a Mark Millen championship series, VHS on shooting and dodging, um, it's, this thing is so old, but it was one of those things, our championship series used to sell these VHSs, and then I, later on, of course, they switched to DVDs, and this thing was like $75, and I asked my mom, I was like, mom, can I please get this, she looked at me like I was crazy, she's like, boy, I'm not spending no $75 on no, or no VHS, <laughs> so, uh my buddy his mom bought it for him and then we shared it it was like three of us who were just sharing learning the mechanics of of shooting and dodging based on watching a VHS of mark millen um and if 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 actually it's still out there on youtube i saw clips of it um that mark millen himself actually posted um and that's why i always tell people like for me, for my money, Mark Millen is one of the greatest lacrosse players ever. Like I'm not hearing anything other than that. But I know that dates me and my age. So there's that. Um but but that with that said, when I got to the college club level, I did have coaches who were really focused on individual training and conditioning to understand how they could help me become a better player. And I started getting more involved in the um giving back part of it because we used to do clinics for middle school kids and elementary school kids. And that's why I kind of knew that I was like, oh, I can translate some of the stuff that's given to me and, and, and give this and give to, give to, uh, younger players. And it was, a, it was a great experience. It's something I wouldn't, I would, man, if it's one area of life, if I could go like replay that over and over, just to enjoy that, I would definitely do it. Um, and travel club at the time was fun and it was Pure And it wasn't bogged down with who could afford what and, and who's trying to impress who it was just a bunch of guys who were having fun. And, you know, the first year was a little difficult. Just because I was new and I wasn't used to it. The second year was really, really, really hard. Um, because we had a lot of older guys who were coming back from playing, um, college who were basically trying to for lack of a better word like rehabilitate their college careers and they came and played club and they they used some of the, the knowledge and they used some of the skill that they learned at, at the college level and it but it while while we won a lot of games that year and if i remember correctly we won our club championship it was also a really toxic environment and i and it and it, i remembered like banking that, like, in my in my mental Rolodex, that I never wanted to either contribute to that, and I never wanted to coach and be part of uh, an environment like that. So, it definitely was a learning experience. Not the same kind of learning experience it was when I was in high school, but it was definitely a learning experience that I used in college. Kind of fast-forwarding and, and skipping all the details. About a year afterwards, so now we're about what should be, like, the average junior year of college, I had just decided that uh, the club wasn't really, you know, I had a great third year. It was fun, but I was tired. Um, And and to be tired at, you know, 19, 20 years old, it sounds weird, but I I was just tired. Um, And I knew that going and playing and starting at CW Post was not going to be realistic. And I also saw the writing on the wall from stories that I had heard from, from players in the community that, um, regime change was inevitable there. And anybody who was either on the bubble or in the mix or on the fringe was not going to make the cut. Like they were just going to come through and they were just going to, um, and they were, and they were just going to clean house and start fresh and build a whole new, of recruiting base, pipeline and and all of that. So um and also realizing that I I wasn't as committed to the college part, like the academic part of college as I should have been. I chose to to basically drop everything and I joined the military. Um and that was in the spring of 2003 um into the summer and then I left for boot camp in the fall right before the what would have been my fourth club year. Um, club leader on Long Island, I should say. Um, and I I went to boot camp, and I never looked back. I haven't lived on Long Island since then. I had an amazing experience. You know, it was definitely some ups and some downs. I definitely enjoyed um, that entire part of my life. Um, you know, some things I would do differently. Some things I would you know I would keep just the same. But the experience of serving my country was something that I, I I. I don't regret whatsoever. And I, and I also like to say that I got to play some lacrosse along the way. Um, one of my first duty stations was, um, in Everett, Washington. And I joined, uh, I joined a club team up there, uh, called black star, all stars. It was sponsored by this really cool brewery and we got to go to some really awesome tournaments in Vancouver, um, Alaska, uh, Portland, mostly, you know, Pacific Northwest stuff. So that was, that was pretty dope um, I got to take my, I always took my lacrosse stick with me on deployment, so I always say I've played lacrosse on at least three or four continents, because I did, I played wall ball in China, played wall ball in Singapore, played wall ball in Hawaii, um, and it was, people would always be like, why does this kid have his stick, and I was like, well, it was better than, like, going out and getting, you know, drunk and getting in trouble, it was like, I'd rather just stick here and find a wall and you know, and just enjoy the enjoy the, the purity of the game at its at its simplest. So um, after traveling, you know, a little bit with the military, my I always say that my last stop on the boat was San Diego, California. In San Diego has been an interesting experience. I've been living here basically since 2006 um, and I've spent the first 10 years promising myself I was leaving and it just have not it hasn't happened. So I'm still here. And the beginning of my uh, experience in San Diego is also where I would say is the end of my playing uh, aspect of my career and I started to make the transition toward coaching um when I first came out here what was one of the first things I wanted to do was to figure out, I was like man San Diego's wonderful the, the weather's great all year round it's always like 70 75 degrees man I could play lacrosse all year round here and Um, I joined, uh, an adult working man's league, um, at the time over the summer and I kept getting hurt. Like it was, it was always something. It was my knee. It was my back. It was my foot. And I always joke and say that the, finally it was the intervention between my club coach that I was still very much in contact with. Um, and my mom who just both sat me down, you know, over the phone and said, listen, You keep getting hurt. Maybe it's time to put down the cleats and pick up a clipboard. You know, my coach used to always say, you know, those who, those who can't do anymore, they teach. And I didn't think I was qualified to do something like that. Like I had, you know, I helped out with clinics and stuff, but I didn't know if I had what it take to, to, uh, to be on the entire team. So. I took, I took some time to kind of figure out, like, what would that look like? What would it take? And it just so happens at the same time, um, lacrosse has been growing in San Diego uh, over the last 10, 15 years um, at an exponential rate. And I say that because it seems like every year we add at least five teams at the high school level. So there's, there's always a, a competitive drive out here to continue to grow the game. And at the time... Um, I got linked up with a, a gentleman whose son uh, went to uh, a, a tournament while he was back east, and he fell in love with the game just by watching it. Um, and it just so happened he was a uh, he was a, a Syracuse alumni, born and raised in, in upstate New York, but he, his job had moved him out him and his family out to... San Diego, and we, he had went home. Uh, to visit is when he took his son and he took his son to uh a Syracuse lacrosse game or a tournament that Syracuse was uh, in and his son just was like oh dad I want to do this. Oh my god, was, this is awesome. I want to do it. So his, when they got back to San Diego, he his dad asked some questions about like hey, how would you go about starting like a program at the local high school? Cuz I think his son was in this at 8th grade at the time and he wanted to see if he could get it going by the time his his son was his son was going to be in high school. And, um, so he, he kind of did all the administrative legwork, work. Um, but he was like, Hey, I have never, like, I love lacrosse. It's a great game, but like, I don't know how to play it. And I don't know how, I definitely couldn't teach it. So he hired some, some gentlemen. He said, Hey, you guys are experienced lacrosse players. Uh, why don't you be, you guys be my assistant coaches and I'll handle all the paperwork. Um, and I always joke like, that's the, that's the, the thing I wish, someone had told me is that coaching is more paperwork than anything else. It's not X's and O's. It's a whole lot of paperwork for everything else. (laughs) Um, but I didn't have to do any of the paperwork because when I got brought on as offensive coordinator, my job was to just get kids prepared to play game. Right. And, and to have fun doing it and, and understand what it takes to win. Um, but most importantly, have fun. So I was, I was at this, uh, high school in East County for, uh, for a season. Um, and we had a pretty good run. It was, it was, it was a great first year. Um, but it didn't, I always say like, I I really enjoyed that. But after that experience is when I knew, like, I think I want to run my own program because there were just little things that lit that would let me know that, you know, it was a reminder that like, this is, this is someone else's baby. It's not yours so after after that season um step uh, just continued to hang around with the with the local uh lacrosse community and and kind of kept my ear to the ground and then by pure pure luck happenstance as they say um a good friend of mine was dating a young lady, and her dad was a coach at a local um what you would probably call like a historically black high school in the community. And our dad was like, Hey, I want to introduce you to the, uh, coach or excuse me, the the principal at this high school. I think he, he would really want to hear about, you know, your experience playing lacrosse. And I met with him like the following weekend or, or, uh, beginning of the week. And he was like, Hey, we just rebuilt our high school. We've got discretionary funds to help you know grow um our, our our community engagement he's like i think lacrosse would be a great new thing to offer our young high school kids who've never who've never been experienced to this uh community and they brought me on and uh from there that's when i really learned about the inside <laughs> paperwork of being a lacrosse coach and how to order uniforms and get the color schemes and getting, getting the field permits and insurance and all, equ- all equipment orders and just doing it all. <laughs> um, and it was a great experience. I, I that's probably the single handedly best, uh, coaching experience I ever had. It was tough. I learned a lot. I was young. I was, gr- I was green myself. Um, but it, it, it set the foundation of what I knew I wanted to contribute to the community and, I don't know if I would be as engaged now as a coach had I not had that experience. Now, because I was doing so much those first uh, three years at that high school, um, I was, I was again, really tired um, moving into the fourth year. Um, And what part of, Going back for a second, part of what informed um, or helped shape and mold uh, my experience um, as a player and as a coach was being affiliated with U.S. lacrosse, right? And uh, for those who don't know, U.S. lacrosse is our national governing body of the sport, right? They're, they're the guys who come up with a lot of the rules and understandings and have been working really hard over the last, I would say specifically the last 20 years to really um, unify the sport, right. To make sure that we're all playing on the, under this, the same set of rules and guidelines. And I, I do remember that for a long time, like you would go to certain places and the field lines would be different or, um, that the timing would be different or how we would make substitutions to be different or any number of things. And us lacrosse has always been working diligently to kind of get us all on the same page. So we're all com- competing on, uh, the leveling, A level playing field. And having that uh, experience and engagement with U.S. lacrosse, even from a young club player, <coughs> is what made me go, okay, these are the people I should lean on to understand what I need to do to be a competent, qualified coach and not just a guy who's played the game and wants to impart that knowledge onto kids. Right. And, and, and part of that is because you may have the best intentions, but you also, um, have to consider that when, especially when you're working with minors, that there needs to be a structured, uh, curriculum development, um, that makes them, puts them in the best uh, place to succeed, but also to have fun. And so one of the first things that I wanted to do was to connect with, uh, the local U.S. lacrosse chapter in my area and my regional director, no different than I did when I was, uh, or at least knew who they were as a player, um, in my youth. So, um, after the fourth year or the third year at the height, my first high school, um, I was really tired and I was going to take about a year off. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go do some other stuff. I was transitioning out of the military and I just wanted to go like figure some other stuff out, whether it was school, because I knew I was going to have to go back to school, um, work, um, of, you know, a full-time job coming out of the military, figuring out what that was going to be about. And I remember talking to, um, uh, one of the coordinators that worked with the regional director and, them telling me about an opportunity uh, to coach at the co- collegiate level. Because um, again, San Diego has been growing the game uh, for a really long time. And every year new programs pop up and they need leadership with some experience. Um, and for me, I felt like I absolutely had to do it because I was like, how many opportunities am I going to get to be a college coach? So I took the position at the, the, uh, California state San Marcos, uh, campus. So Cal state San Marcos, uh, in North County, uh, of San Diego. Um, and I was there for a year and a half and it was, again, another good learning experience. Um, that was way more trial by fire because the, the necessity to kind of be on top of, uh, young college guys is not the same as it is to be on top of like high school guys. All right. To make sure that they're going to class or doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like they don't need as much for lack of a better word, babysitting. Um, but I also knew that I had a lot of growing to do. And I had a lot of learning that I needed to, to figure out, to develop, uh, to be the coach that I hopefully wanted to be. Um, and I got some of that, you know, trial by fire. Um, and I've gotten some of that also by good mentorship, uh, later on. So, um, you know, I've, I've been to a a few other high schools since then. I'm currently at a high school, um, right now that I really enjoy. Um, and part of what, what leads me to this, this space where I'm working on this project now, um, is, Basically it connects back to what what drove me away from the game for a little while because in between uh, the high school that I'm at now and my collegiate uh, experience coaching, there's about somewhere in between there's like a five-year gap where I just didn't want to have anything to do with lacrosse. Um, It was a real toxic environment. And um, without getting into all the specifics right this second, I will say that on a general level, you know, it wasn't about not feeling, it wasn't, it wasn't about someone directly saying they didn't want me or that, um, I wasn't welcome. It was a lot of inaction or the dragging of the feet or the slowing down of progress to let me know or to inform me, I should say that, um, the progress that i wanted to see in terms of diversity inclusion was not an agenda that the local chapter in my area was interested in in pursuing and you know one of the things that you know i in my in my 9 to 5 or my professional spaces we say is that diversity and inclusion is about not just welcoming it's not just inviting someone to the party, but making them feel welcome when they get there, you know, offering them, you know, a beverage or, or, or offering them to dance or just making them feel included in, in whatever the, the, uh, whatever is going on. And I can say that while I was numerously numerous times, I was invited to the party. I did not always feel welcome. Um, it felt like it was just a thing to do to say you did it. But when it came to rolling up our sleeves and doing real substantive work around making the lacrosse community and the, our local area better, it wasn't it wasn't real. It, it was it was it was all lip service. And, you know, to to, you know, to be frank, to be to be blunt, to be upfront, you know, no one called me the N word or or discriminated against me because of whatever, but it just, there was clearly a lot of bias, right? And it was clearly a apprehension to try new things, to, to, to make an attempt to be intentional about our, our inclusiveness and how we welcomed new uh, people to this wonderful game that we all share. And, The reason why I thought it was going to be important to have a dialogue about those experiences is because oftentimes there's two extremes. At least this is what I believe. There are two extremes. There's the people who will blatantly to your face call you, you know, all kinds of you know racial slurs or whatever. And then there's another side where it's we show this twisted pity based on our limited understanding of a person's background. And we go, oh, well, you know, because they're poor or because they're from the hood or the ghetto, well, then I've got to work extra hard to make them feel um, part of our community. And then we, 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 we limit ourselves to only those two acceptable narratives, right? And that's not, that's not representative of our entire community. It's not representative of who we are as a people, right? And it's not who representative who we are as players, lacrosse players, you know, black lacrosse players specifically come from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. They come from different cultures. They come from different ethnicities. And we're not boiled down to just one, two, or even three narratives that are palatable and comfortable, right? We come from all walks of life. We have our own experiences. We have our own journeys. We have our own opinions. And we're not speaking as one body or one voice to, to represent all, uh areas of blackness, right? Because I'm from New York, but I know some great players from Baltimore or from Florida or from Georgia or from California, you know, and their experience playing this game is completely different than mine. So we should share as many of those narratives as possible. And what I hope is that in understanding those narratives, that it'll open some folks' eyes to the bigger injustices of the world, right? Because what we're experiencing as a community is just a microcosm of what's playing out on a larger level. And maybe if we can reckon with some of those things within our own community, it'll help us and give us a template on how we can be better overall, right? No one's here to solve. All world problems, or all systemic, or racism and oppression, but if we can change one person's actions toward one person, that's enough to make a difference. If we can do one last problematic thing, if we can have one better understanding of one individual, maybe it'll help us inform how we treat the next person and how we be better, right? Because as a community, we need to get better. And if the people who say they want to listen and they they they're listening now. Well, now's the time. This is how you listen. You listen to people tell their stories and their experiences and you validate that and you believe them, right? You don't necessarily have to agree, but you have to hear them out and understand that that's their experience and and what humanity looks like is based on the empathy that you choose to use as this person is explaining their experience from a very vulnerable place. You know? I will say, getting some of the folks to talk um, wasn't easy, because some of them have said, "You know what? I'm just going to play the game and I'm going to keep my mouth shut." Or a few instances, players, including myself, have walked away from the game because we said, "You know what? We don't. We can't tolerate this anymore. We don't have the emotional bandwidth to continue to give and give and give, just to, con- to constantly be disrespected." So we hope that this will be an interesting conversation. We hope that someone will take something from this, you know, learn from our experiences, learn from our mistakes, learn from our triumphs. And our goal here is to just share, not to place blame, not to ridicule, not to demean anyone, not to attack anyone. It's just to share our stories and, and, and perspectives, and hopefully, some good will come out of it.